if you know God has been good to you, give him a shout of praise in this place. I don't know of anything more amazing, more fueling to our minds and to our bodies than to praise the name of Jesus. He is worthy to be praised in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of whatever you came in with. If you stop and you just put that to the side, I call it distracting your distractions, and give God the praise, I believe that he'll work a miracle uh, in your lives. Let's prepare to give, and then we're going to get right into the word of God. Um, If you give by phone, just grab your device. Um, If you give by envelope or whatever, cash, just Get that in your hand. We're going to speak over it. Believe God for the blessings that he promises in his word. And then we're going to jump right into this word. I'm excited to be back preaching today. Um, And I believe I have a word from the Lord that will move us forward. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give, to sow, to obey you in the tithe, Lord. And we thank you that as we obey you in this area that we stand under and open a heaven according to your word. And you've promised that you'll pour out blessing, that there won't be room enough to even take it in. So we thank you for the overflow. We thank you for provision. We thank you for increase. We thank you for favor. We thank you that you've promised that we won't bear fruit before it's time. We thank you for the promise that people will see your blessing upon our life and call us blessed, and it will bring you glory. Thank you for keeping us in season. Thank you for the right connections. Lord, we thank you that you've answered every problem before we even meet it, and we give you the glory, the honor, and praise for all that you're going to do, and let everyone that agrees with that shout amen, amen. shout amen. amen, shout amen. Find somebody to, uh, well, some of y'all might be a little hesitant with that. Find somebody to tell hello um, and that you're glad that they are here. Um, and then we're going to get right into the word. All right. Praise God for technical difficulties, but we are still going to preach and share today. I mean, I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to be back. Thank you for all of those who prayed for us and prayed that we'd have a safe uh, trip. Um, How many of you were blessed by Pastor Clayton last week? Um, When I'm I'm gone, I just want you to know when I'm gone, I, I, I pray about who to have here. Um, speaking because it's important that the person that's feeding you has something of substance that God has done something um, in their life because he hasn't done anything in our life there's nothing to impart Um, amen but I went back and and listened to the message and it just blessed me so I I believe that it also blessed you all who are here Um, but I want to get into this today we're still in this series now and forever Um, and when I go into the word it just amazes me I've said before Um, in this church, never lose your awe, never lose um, your wonder when it comes to God, never lose the excitement that comes through having a relationship with God, never get so used to him that you always think you know what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, Uh, be encouraged that he's a God who keeps his word and he keeps his promises and um, there's a scripture that talks about how God goes to and fro looking on the earth Uh, looking for someone to show himself mighty on behalf of. And God is always looking to show his glory, and he's always looking to demonstrate his power um, in our lives. If you go to the book of Revelation, it's interesting. God speaks through uh, John. He speaks to him, and and he always ends his message to every church that he's talking to with to him who overcomes. 
And so when we receive a word from God, when we come together um, as the body of Christ, we're coming so that God can give us something so that we can live an overcoming life. Can we say amen? We, God never designed for us to always be under, but if we had the word that we're supposed to be over, you know how we talk about, man, how, how are you doing? Well, under the circumstances. We were never designed to be people who are always under the circumstances. The circumstances are supposed to be under us. You know, yes, we go through things. We go through trials. We go through tests. But like my grandmother used to say, she have to remind the devil, you're supposed to be under my feet. You know, she talked like that. It wasn't really, didn't sound deep. But when she was getting a little bothered by the enemy or getting bothered and the devil was distracting, she said, now let me just remind you where you're supposed to be. And sometimes when you get agitated in your life and the enemy, it seems like he's just all hell is breaking loose in your life. You got to remind him of his position. He's already been defeated because of the cross. You have the victory because of the blood of Jesus. Anybody in here know about that? When you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, when you've been saved, when you know that heaven is your home and that you'll spend eternity with Jesus, you always have something to have joy about, even if what you're going through right now is unpleasant. Um, and so when we look through the Bible, we find that God doesn't do many microwave blessings, that he's always, um, in essence, taking his time so that he can get the glory um, out of our lives. It's amazing how he deals with man from the beginning of time. Um, he, we find him first dealing with a man named Noah, and Noah, there's no rain or anything, but God says, Noah, I want you to go and build an ark because um, you're going to need something for you and your family with what I'm about to do on the earth. And so everybody's looking around, and they don't know uh, anything. They've never seen any rain before. Uh, but, but Noah, in obedience to God, begins to build something to prepare for something that nobody's seen before. God, I think, sometimes wants to do things in our hearts and in our lives to prepare us for something that we haven't seen before. Is anybody in this church today? Uh, and so we've got to understand that God is always on the move, even when it doesn't look like he's doing anything. Have you ever felt like God was just inactive in your life? You felt like, you know, I love God and I serve him, but I really don't know what he's doing. And so you've got to know that when you don't see him moving on the outside, that he's doing something with you on the inside because you've got to be prepared for what he wants to do in your life. You may not have what you want on the outside, but he says, you know, while I'm working, I need to do something in your heart so that your heart can have capacity to handle what I want to do in your life. And I, I, I love dealing with the children of Israel because we all find ourselves in, in um, you heard the children of Israel before? Or, okay. Sometimes preachers just talk like y'all and heard everything. But the, the, the children of Israel is interesting, and I like to deal with them because we always find ourselves in the place that the children of Israel found themselves. Either they're in their Egypt, they're in their bondage experience, they're in their prison experience. You ever had a, a, a bondage experience where something had you and you wanted to get out of it, but you couldn't get out of it because you were chained to it? Um, or you find yourself in the wilderness where I'm not in bondage anymore, but I'm not in my promised land, so I'm stuck in the land of in between and I'm really more frustrated than I was in prison because I can see the promise but I can't touch the promise. I need y'all to help me preach today. I'm fired up. So we sit here and we go in this wilderness experience. God, you, you brought me out of this but I need to see what you're bringing me to. And if you're like me, sometimes you, you're a person that I got to have some answers, God. I got to know, uh, I know you're doing something, but if you just be so gracious to stop by my life and let me in on what you're doing so that I can praise you in the hallway. You know, I haven't walked into your promise yet, but I need to be able to praise you in the hallway. So just let me in a little bit, God. Give me a glimpse. Give me a dream. Give me something to let me know that I, I can be encouraged to keep on going. And then if you're not in your wilderness, then you have 
Uh, and this is the mistake that people make. They think they've arrived. They get into their promised land where, you know, everything is, it, it just seems like it's working. You had experiences in your life, seasons where things were just so good. They were just working. Relationship was working. Money wasn't funny and change wasn't strange. You know how that goes? You know, at the end of the month, you could celebrate because you had a little change um, at the end of those bills. That's quiet in here. Oh, y'all, y'all good. I need to visit some of y'all. Y'all got it going on over here. But... But so we find ourselves in that place, but seldom when we read the Bible do we really get the whole story. We don't get the whole story. And so the children of Israel, um, they, they, God promises, he makes a promise to first Abraham. And he says, Abraham, um, I'm going to multiply your seed and they're going to be uh, bigger than the stars in the sky. They're going to be more than the sand in the seashore. So I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to bless you. As a matter of fact, Abraham, everybody that uh, blesses you, I'm going to bless them. Everybody that curses you, I'm going to curse them. And all the nations of the earth, they're going to call you uh, blessed. But I need you to understand something, that they're going to uh, first go into bondage for 430 years, and then after that, I'm going to bring them out with great substance. And so God is so much God that he can allow you to go through a prison experience and still let you come out on the other side of it better than you went in. Is there anybody in here that you, you, you went through a storm in your life, and while you were in the storm, you didn't know how things were going to turn out. You didn't know how you were going to make it. But on the other side, tell somebody the other side. On the other side, you can look back and God was so good to you that you don't even remember how bad it was while you were in the storm. Somebody saying, preacher, you don't know what I'm dealing with right now. What I'm going through right now is hard and it's painful. But I just want to remind you that God keeps his word, that God never fails. And if he said he will do it, if he spoke it, that he will make it good. Now, you're looking at your situation while I'm talking and you're saying, well, that's good for everybody else. Because it's easier for us to believe God for somebody else than it is to believe him for ourselves. It's easy to believe that he'll heal their sickness but not yours. It's easy for you to believe that he'll meet their need but not yours. It's easy for you to believe that he'll show up in the midnight hour for them. But when pain and trouble and tests and trial visit your house, it's a little bit more difficult to say, God, I know you'll come through for me. So what we say is, God, I know you can, but I'm not sure that you will. You ever been there? God, I know you have the power to do it but I don't know if you will do it. And so the, the children of Israel are significant because there are people who pray to get out of bondage and God shows up through a man named Moses and says, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let the people go. I want to use you to bring the people out. And so the people get excited that God is concerned about them and they celebrate the fact that they're coming out of bondage. But the problem is, is that they don't understand that the deliverance will not be immediate. How many of you would be more excited if your blessing moved a little faster towards you? Be honest. Do you, you, do you ever pray, God, uh, please move today? God, please move in the next five minutes. I pray like that sometimes. God, I need you to come through now. It would be good. Lord, can you come through before tomorrow? You know how it is. Can, they, can, can you just have them call me and tell me that my application was accepted? Can you have them call me and tell me that I got the job? And let them tell me tomorrow. And when I got my first promotion, I was praying every day hard. Lord, let this be the day they call. God made, that, God made me wait three weeks in a job I didn't want to be in. <laughs> 
At the end of the day, when I'm about to walk out of the office, I get the phone call, hey, we want you. In my mind, I was like, it's about time. (laughs) But in my heart, I was leaping that I got that. Because you know, when we have to wait too long, we believe God maybe changed his mind. You ever been there? Where you know God promised something to you. He had something for you. But when you got to wait too long, you know, we feel like he changed his mind. So the children of Israel, they got excited until they had a struggle. And so I want to talk to you about overcoming faith from the book of Numbers chapter 13. Um, And here we pick it up in verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to some of the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes and every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord. And all of them were who were heads of the sons of Israel. And so the first thing I want you to understand is that God gives us everything that he gives us by promise. This is important. When God has said he's going to do something in your life, the way God gives it to you is not the way that man gives it to you. Man will put it in your hand. God will speak to you and say, here is what I'm going to do. Say I. Here is what I'm going to do in your life. And in order for you to begin to walk in this, I need you to attach your faith to my promise. In other words, you need to know that I am who I say I am, that I'm God. And the way that I'm going to give this to you is I'm going to make a promise to you. The second thing we need to understand is that when God tells us to look at something, we need to make sure that we're seeing what he sees. I think that we read the scripture Uh, too fast. And you're going to see what I mean when we get into the next part of this text. But it's so important that even as we come together as believers, even as I'm talking to you now, my job as a pastor is to help you see about yourself and about your situation and about the promise that God made to you. I need you to see what God sees. And the problem that Moses And the mistake that he makes, you're going to see, if you read the scripture too fast, you'll miss it. But he actually makes a crucial mistake here. And it says, when Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, go up there into Negev, then go into the hill country, see what the land is like, and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak. Now watch this. When did God tell them to make an assessment of whether the people in the land were strong or weak? Never told him to do it. All he told Moses to do was to tell them to go spy out the land. That was his only instruction. In other words, I want you to see, watch this, I want you to see the promise before you enter the promise. Because I need you to have something in front of you to motivate you to keep going. So we often get frustrated when people get around us and they don't join us in our pity party. You don't need somebody to help you in your pity party. You need somebody to remind you of what God promised you. This is so important. Stop hanging around friends that are always discouraging you. Y'all quiet. But you got it. Sometimes you got to cut some folk loose because they're hindrance to your faith. Look, if every time I talk to you, my faith is lower. Listen, we're going to have a lot less conversations. And so here he says, go and he says, see what the land is like, whether the people who live in it are strong and weak, whether they're few or many. What did it If God promised them the land. Why would it matter how many people are in it? So Moses goes past the command of God. And it's important for us to understand that when God tells us to do something, when he tells us to look at something, when he tells us to listen to something, that we do exactly what God said. You'll see why in a minute. He says, whether there are few or many, how is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? God promised you the land. So the land is good. 
But we're making evaluations now in our flesh of what God already told us to be, be so. And here's the key, though. God never promises things to us based on our own ability. He never promises us something and says, it's going to take your ability alone to bring it to pass. And what we do sometimes that keeps us from walking in overcoming faith is we hear a promise of God. God tells us here, this is what I have over your life. This is the picture that this is the vision I have for your life. And what you do is begin to work in your mind and say, "Okay, how can I bring it to pass? Raise your hand if you tried to do something that didn't work. Because we need God to breathe on what we're doing. And here's the reality is that God is so much God that he'll he'll have you go back to the thing that you tried to do in your own flesh that didn't work and says, end of the work. God doesn't consider our ability. He considers our faith and our faithfulness. He considers our faith and our faithfulness. So when God makes a promise to you, when he says, I'm working in your life, there's things that I I, want to do in your life, he's not looking at your talent. You ever said, well, I'm not good enough. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. God never depended on your own talent to bring something to pass. Because if he was dependent on your talent, guess who's going to get prideful when you're successful? This is why he'll take an army of thousands with Gideon and say, okay, I want you to take the people who get on their knees and put water in their mouth and you go win the battle with those 300. Say unlikely heroes. Every single one of us, if it were not for the grace of God, is nothing but an unlikely hero. Someone that God can take all messed up and jacked up and say, look, I'll work through you. I'll use you in the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your struggle. As long as you've got my power working in your life, you can make it to your promise. But we often kill our own faith when we assess our ability to do what he said he would do. And this is the mistake that we make is that we get so excited. We lift our hands and worship. We come to church. We fellowship. We pray. We read our word and we get that spark of the spirit that says God wants to do something in our life. And if we're not careful, we look in the mirror and say, well, how can I make this happen? God's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to be available. One of the best things you can bring God is your surrender. Will you say, you know what, God? I don't know how, but I know you. So here I am. Mistakes and all. Person who doesn't say it right all the time and all, doesn't get it right and all. Here I am. Use me. That's all he's ever been looking for is an available vessel. How, is there anybody in here who knows that they're imperfect? Who knows that they don't always say it right? Watch this. I'm going to mess with some of y'all religion. For some of y'all who sometimes when you get upset, you let out some words that's not in the Bible. (laughs) Peter walked with Jesus the whole time, and when he got tried, he let some stuff out. But God, when he came back, he said, go get my disciple. Get Peter, too. Get that one who wasn't afraid to cut off ears and cuss people out. See, some of y'all are trying not to laugh because you're like, man, if, they, if, if I laugh, the pastor going to know. 
Can I mess with y'all religion some more? Some of you don't, it doesn't ever come out of your mouth, but it sure is in your head when somebody gets on your nerves. Because you're like, thank you, Jesus, but in your mind, you're like, you. <laughs> man, y'all are really saved. Man. <laughs> we must help people in our lives see through the eyes of faith instead of the eyes of fear. I was sharing, and some of the, the, the members came with us yesterday. I was sharing with uh, some people. We sometimes misinterpret why God puts people in our life. One of the biggest mistakes that we can make is to, to not understand why God has put somebody in life. Sometimes we are placed in people's lives to help compensate for their weakness. Amen. See, and, and the reason that God doesn't elevate some people, watch this, write it down. The reason that he doesn't promote some people is because God can't trust you with their weakness. Because you think that your job in somebody's life is every time they're weak to expose it quiet in here. But the reason that you're in their life is to hold up their arms and to be the strength where they're weak. I can prove it to you. Moses is a friend of God, but nobody wins the battle. If not, if Moses is at the mountain. His hands are up, but he gets weak, and he has to have two people on the other side of him lifting his hands. Why? Because if his hands are not up, everybody loses. Y'all following me here? So what I'm saying to you is even though you may have a temptation to criticize the people that are in your life, you may be misinterpreting why you're there. Because if what is hard for them comes easy to you, y'all with me? You ever been there where you look at something seems just so hard for somebody, but in your mind you're like, man, wow, we could just do this and it'd be done. God, watch this. God made you their answer. I like to say it like this, while you're waiting on your miracle, be somebody's miracle. When they returned from spying out the land, at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron. This is the funniest scripture in the world. And to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So to understand the history of this, they're actually carrying, like, how many of you like grapes? So you look at grapes and you see them in the store and they're not this big, but they're carrying grapes that they have to carry over their shoulders. Like, we can't even imagine this in our time, but they're carrying the fruit of the land back on their shoulders. And thus they told them and they said, we went into the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Now watch this. So in other words, Moses, we went to the land, we've been there 40 days, and we're back, and guess what? It looks like everything God said it looked like. And had they left it at that, they would have been blessed for eternity. But the next word messed them up just like it messes us up. It says, nevertheless. And because Moses instructed them to look at something that God told them to never look at, they messed up the whole congregation. So it says, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. So it's just like God said, but we don't want to focus on what God said. We want to focus on what we saw. What you directed our attention to. Tell somebody redirection. Sometimes if you, you have to redirect and refocus fast or else you'll look at the problem instead of the promise. 
And so it says, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large, and moreover. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and all the other ites. And are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. In other words, you, you ever had somebody where everybody is complaining at the same time? Like on your job, everybody's talking about how bad the boss is. Everybody's talking about how rough the situation is. Everybody in your family's talking about how nobody in our family ever makes it out. Then you got to have somebody who has enough courage to say, look, we gotta just, y'all just be quiet. There's too much foolishness going on here, too much, too much fear going on. you got to have somebody who has the courage in the midst of, of, of a voices of I can't that says, hold up. Wait a minute. Let's redirect. Let's refocus. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, watch this. We shall, by all means, go up and take possession of it. For we will surely say overcome, overcome it. All of this talk going on, and somebody has the courage to say, you know what? We need to go right now. You need some go right now people in your life that when they see and they can taste the promise of God is so close, you need some people in your life to say, just go for it and trust God and believe him to move. And so he says, we shall by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But just like that word, nevertheless, is another word that typically is not good in the Bible when you see it. But. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able. So you've got two confessions going on. You've got people who all see the same thing, but they don't see the same thing. We're not able to go up against the people. God wanted them focused on the promise, but they're looking at the strength of the people who are already there and they're saying, we're not able to go up against them for they're too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had. Spied out saying, the land through which we've gone in spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we've seen in it are men of great size. Then we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, and we became like grasshoppers. Watch this. Take notes on this part right here. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight. So the one dangerous thing that happens to every believer that keeps them from walking in the promises of God is when God says focus on him, we look at how we look in our own sight. The promise looks good. But the enemy deceives me into consulting my inadequacies. All the fruit looks good, but the enemy just whispers, I know what you did last night. I know who you used to be. He always seeks to remind you of where you've been instead of where God is taking you. Let's get some real unmasked folk in the church today that would be honest enough to say that when God blessed you and he began to show you what he wanted to do in your life, it was difficult for you to fight with all the stuff you dealt with in your past. Because the enemy's always hitting rewind. And if I can fill you with regret and doubt, you'll never walk into the place that I've ordained for you. 
Because you'll always feel too dirty to go where God has taken you. Say, we all need the blood. We all, we all need it. As a matter of fact, we got to be honest and say, man, we are in need of daily grace and mercy. None of us have already arrived. We, every, I don't know about you, but I got to wake up and ask God to forgive me every single day. Because maybe I said something that was not right, or maybe I didn't make a right decision here or there, and maybe I got off, or maybe I got frustrated or something. You know, we never get to the, I've never been so saved where I haven't, I've gotten it right all the time. But our mistakes and our past and our failure will never prevent the promise of God in our life if we keep walking by faith. See, the problem that we, we the, pro, the mistake that we make is when we get stubborn and we won't fix what God shows us. See, we, you can go to the other end and say, no, I just do whatever I want. And No, God, sometimes in his mercy, what he does is he says, you know what, I love you and I know you're going to make mistakes, but I want to show you here, like, you could have done it this way. Do it this way next time. Forgive. Let it go. Don't go back into the foolishness that you left. You, you have, you, be, is there any real people who said, I left some foolishness and I went back into it? I want to talk to those kind of people. Those are the kind of people I like to talk to. See, I want to talk to people that, that you, you, you got it right that first time. I want to talk to some humble folk who God brought you out and you was a little knucklehead sometime. You went back in it two or three times before. So you had, and God, God humbled you so that when he really brought you out, you stayed out. There's some folk God told you to leave alone and you... no. Sometimes the devil isn't the problem, but it's our own paralysis of analysis. So sometimes it isn't that the devil is trying to stop you. It's that God will make a promise, and now you've got to analyze every part of it. Well, God promised me this, but my calculations over here are this. And God is saying, I never called you to figure out how to do it. What I want you to do is walk by faith. How do I walk by faith, Pastor? Well, you keep on walking. It's just that simple. Well, what if I mess up? You just, you just keep on walking. And see, some of us, are, all of our faith walk is determined by how people around us act. In other words, if people are celebrating us, then we're fine. If everything's going well, it's fine. And we can keep on walking. But let somebody cross you. Let something not go your way. And all of a sudden, you want to leave God. You want to leave the church. You want to leave, you, you know. Sometimes you got to be frustrated and keep on walking. You, 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 you know what I'm Y'all don't get frustrated? People don't, you don't run into people who do stuff they shouldn't do, say stuff they shouldn't say, get in business they shouldn't get into. You, you, ever, you ever talk to somebody and after a while you're like, well, what business is that of yours? <laughs> You, you, you know, you're you, you, you talking about my porch, but you won't even sweep around your own front door. Like, you got so much advice about my relationship, but you... <laughs> Our faith diminishes when we look at things that God told us not to look at. Say focus. Some of us, all it takes is that person to text us and we'd lose all the focus we had. Oh, such and such is back in my life. <laughs> and you don't realize he's not back in your life, he's just passing through. Y'all know what I mean when I say that. 
Y'all too saved to understand that? Okay. He just want to come see you. <laughs> Tell him to go see Jesus. <laughs> what the, the young folks now say, miss me with that. <laughs> what, what does that even mean? Huh? Anyway. Pastor, don't try to be cool. Just preach. <laughs> oh, man. Fear constantly sees the obstacles, but faith sees the opportunities. And see, that's what you got going on here with, with Caleb and Joshua versus the, the, the rest of the spies. They all look at the same thing, but one group sees the problem, the other group sees the promise. You need to get doctors who see the promise. You need to get lawyers who see the promise. You need to get, get therapists who see the promise. Come on. It's just me and Jesus. Well, maybe it needs to be you, Jesus, and a therapist. That's all right. That won't be a stigma in this church. Sometimes you need help to get to the promise. Fear says, I can't. But faith says, I can because God will. How many have been so beat up that you're like, I just can't anymore? I just, I, I, I've been trying whether it be a family thing, whether it be a personal thing, I, I just can't. The enemy's been, you know, beat me up. Family's been beat me up. Situation be, I just, I can't do this anymore. And, and the beautiful freeing thing is that you got, you know what? God didn't call you to do it. What, what if, what if we're weighed down because we're carrying stuff God never told us to carry? We have some honest folk that say you've been through a heavy season. Like you smile, you come to church, you faithful, give, tithe, serve, hug, forgive. You do all that stuff, but inside you, you're heavy. Can we be honest? Now, I want you to ask yourself and ask God to show you. Now, now am I heavy because I'm wearing something that God told me to put on, didn't, never told me to put on? I'm, try, I'm trying to run a race in clothes that God never told me to wear. I'm trying to pretend to be something that God never told me to be. But what about if you could get around a community of faith where you could be who God made you? Without fear, I could just, you know what? Yeah, I mess up sometimes, but I still love God. I'm not talking about blatant sin. I'm just talking about, you know, I just... I, so, sometimes I'm your pastor, but sometimes I don't always get it right. Sometimes I need help, and I love the, the, the saints and the people who love God who don't sit there and say, well, I'm, a I'm not going to criticize my pastor. I'm just going to help him so that the army can be stronger. Y'all with me? How, what, what if we did that in our home? Like, you know how you ever been in an argument in your house? Oh, y'all perfect, man, y'all. Can y'all give me some relationship advice? Because, but what if like we stop midstream and some of our arguments said, wait a minute, the reason this frustrates me is because I'm the one in this relationship called to help you with this. That's if you're supposed to be there, but we'll talk about that next February. <laughs> then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. Now, isn't this just stupid? 
Pastor, you said stupid on Sunday in church? This, I'm reading this. It's about the dumbest thing I can see. In the world. God, God promised to bring them into the promised land, and rather than go in, now they're, they're crying all night because God is trying to bring them into something they asked for. God, bring us out of bondage. Bring us into your promise. And now God wants to do it, and they want to cry all night because God is saying, okay, now it's time. You know why, though? We could judge them. But how many of you got close to the surface that God wanted to do, and then you got scared? God, I, um, God says, you know what? It's time. Now it's time for you to step out by faith. And all of a sudden, you were overcome. You ever had, anybody ever had anxiety, fear? You know, you, you, you know, man, I'm getting close to what God wants to do. But all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. What if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't? And God says, like Caleb, just shh, refocus. Remember who promised. If I said it, I'll do it. If I spoke it, I'll bring it to pass. All of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword, our wives, our little ones? Listen to this confession, man. Would it have been better for us to return to Egypt? So that they said to one another, Let us appoint us a leader to return to Egypt. Unbelief always keeps you running with a crowd that keeps you in your comfort zone. So what happens is, is God gets ready to move you in the promise, and when it's time to move in the promise, but you're scared, you start to criticize your leader and try to get somebody else who will take you back to what's comfortable. So you get mad at him when he challenges you to walk by faith. Okay, it's time to go to another level. It's time to shed this. It's time to shed this immaturity. It's time to say this, grow up. See, because you've been in the wilderness so long, 11 days journey, but you've been there 40 years and you've become comfortable with not moving. And God says, now it's time to move. I know that you messed up. I know that you made mistakes, but I'm pushing you now towards your promise. And so this isn't the time to want to stone your leader. It's the time to get behind him so you can get everything that God has for you. How many of you believe in God for things today? Like you got some things on your prayer list that, that you, you want him to do. How many of you are in the midst of him doing those things right now? A few of you, okay. Keep walking. Don't quit. Don't give up. Fear is the path backwards, but faith is the road forward. Fear is the path backwards. Fear will always, this is how fear sounds. It was better when I wasn't saved. It was better when I wasn't even trying. It was a whole lot better. Now that I started trying, it looked like everything's going wrong. Let me tell you something that's real deep. The reason it looks like that is because the devil is a liar. And so he knows that if he can get you to question what God said, if he can get you to question God's motives, then he'll get you to walk away from your promise. See, when I was growing up, I didn't understand why the older saints used to say, you know what, God, just, just the darkest hour, just before day. They'd say that. They'd say things like, you know what, don't people walk away right before their breakthrough. Until I started to grow in this thing, and I realized at the points where it got so hard, where you feel like giving up, that's because the enemy's trying to make you quit because you're so close. Say this with me by faith, I'm close. 
Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jehuna, of those who had spied out the... You know, you like how pastors, when they can't pronounce something, they just kind of mumble over it. I just want to free some of y'all when y'all do it. <laughs> and of those who spied out the land and tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation, they're trying to help them, still trying to motivate them and say, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he'll bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. The question is, am I willing to be the voice of faith in a crowd of doubt. Unbelief, it always leads to rebellion. Always leads to rebellion, understand that. That's why you gotta keep your faith because when you lose your faith, you'll be disobedient. God, God, could, God could tell you to do something Saturday night and if you get attacked early Sunday morning, you still won't do it. And it keeps you out of your own promised land. So only don't rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. So don't be disobedient and don't be fearful for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Say, God is with me. And so he says, don't fear them, but all the congregation said, stone them. In other words, kill the voice of faith so we can go back to what's comfortable. Stop telling me God is gonna do it so we can stay comfortable. Sean, you're going to win that bet. <laughs> Here's the thing. The shaking that some of y'all are going through in your life right now is because God is making you uncomfortable. Because as long, watch this, just like you're on your couch, you know you hit that spot. Y'all got a spot? That couch or that chair or whatever. Everybody has some type of spot in their house. And you just, once you do that, somebody else said, can you do something? No, I'm comfortable right now. You're going to have to. You nestled in there comfortable. As long as you're comfortable, you won't move. So God is wise enough to create enough discomfort so that you'll move forward. For some of you you, you, you may have been comfortable not being regularly part of a believing family, so God had to put you in a family. And, and family matters. Y'all know that, right? Family matters because you got to have, you, you ever got, you got that one family, my wife laughs at me because we get to family gatherings and she knows that basically I'm going to be at some point in a Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner, I'm going to go through basically what I call my counseling line. Family just asking me about whether this person should be part of their life or whether they should, the boyfriend they bought that didn't put in on Thanksgiving dinner, whether that's, y'all got any family members like that? <laughs> you, you, you ever had them, they showed up in your house and you want to look at them and be like, you, you didn't put in on this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they come and they show up. And so I'll get pulled in one of the rooms, what do you think of him? I'm like, did he bring something to eat? He just looked like, that's the first failure right there. He didn't bring anything. Go sit outside. No. But no, and so we'll talk, and they'll begin to tell me things, and, and I'll try to say something that makes them a little uncomfortable. So I'll be like, go, go ask, the, ask them this, and that'll tell you what you need to know. Or, you know, 
do this, and that'll give you some insight into to, my point is is that family is important because you got to have that one family member who will say something to you to make you a little uncomfortable. Got to have that person. Obedience is time sensitive. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So some people, here's, here's, here's the thing. I think uh, Desmond, y'all and team come up here. I think this is where we're going to park because I, I want to close on this. So Sean, you win. Sean got the slides and he's like, uh, there's no way you're getting through all this. And I was like, well, who won last time? <laughs> so, got to humble myself. But I want to, yeah, I want to, um, this thought here really is where a lot of this message arrested me. And so I want to share it with you. Um, some people cannot hear God because they're waiting for him to say something different. Pastor, what do you mean? For many of us, if we're honest, we'd be saying, God, I feel like I've been stuck in the same place in my life for years. Like, why am I walking around? And, and don't, don't feel guilty. I want you to understand something. The children of Israel... The, the journey into the promised land was supposed to take 11 days. Now think about that for me. 11 days. How many of you know if, if an 11-day trip takes you 40 years, you are lost? <laughs> you ever have, I'm not going to name any names, but the people who they got a shortcut but it ends up being longer than <laughs> it's supposed to be? I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. <laughs> Somebody's like, Pastor, name names. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but here's the thing is, is, it was supposed to take them like 11 days. 11 days was the distance from where they came out of to where they were supposed to be. But their unbelief kept them walking. <laughs> Listen, listen to this. It kept them walking the same trail for 40 years. Literally walking around the same mountain for 40 years. This, this, is this checking with anybody yet? Like, what I'm dealing with in my life looks like it always has looked. How in the world am I back in this same place again? And a part of it is, that God gives us, listen to me, God gives us the answer sometimes, but we want him to say something else. God tells us, well, I'm going to bring you out, and when I bring you out, here's what I want you to do. And so we come out, and we experience relief, and because we experience relief, we become unbelieving and disobedient, and we end up walking around the same circle. Again, and I don't see this as a preaching out to you. I say, I say it as a, I've been here. Any real folk felt like that? Like I've been walking around this, this like I've been dealing with this same thing. Let's, let's bring it home even more. Every man that comes in my life looks the same. Every woman that comes in my life looks the same. I keep, I keep bringing the same person by a different name and a different face into my life over and over again. And God is saying, I need you to listen to me so that you don't walk around this mountain again for 40 years.
God says to some of us, I need to build your endurance. I need to toughen you up. I need to build your faith. And so that's why you walk through the fire that you walk through so that you can be prepared to handle the situation this time. How many of you, you got, you got attacked, but you handled it wrong? Be honest. We all been there. The, the enemy came at us and we handled it wrong. We didn't do it right. And so God says, okay, I love you so much that I'm not going to let you go on because I need you to pass this test the right way because there's greater for you. And at the level that I'm bringing you to, you can't mess up like you do here. You understand what I'm saying? It's mercy. Sometimes God keeping us in a place is mercy. He's saying, I love you too much to push you out there now. So I'm going to allow them to, to get on your nerves so you can handle people getting on your nerves the right way here so that you don't say something stupid there. Relationship-wise, same, same mountain. So here's what we say. I need somebody who can pay the rent. And God's telling you, I want you to be somebody who can pay the rent. So that when you come together, you complement each other and that you're not carrying dead weight. Is this helping? Is this too hard? When you complement one another, friendship, relationship, ministry, anything, there are weak parts of all of us. There are strong parts of all of us. And we have to understand this so we can do this, say this, work together. Stand to your feet. We're going to worship God. Um, here's, here's why I do this every Sunday. It's one reason. It's because I want to see people like my friend Jennifer see the promise of God on their life. I want to see my friend Sean and Regina have everything that God promised them. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's not, I don't take this microphone to hear myself talk. I can do that at home. But I pray to seek the face of God, to have a word to bring you so that you can go deal with your life Monday through Saturday. How many of you face stuff during the week? Be honest. You, the enemy, you know, no matter how hard you worship sometimes, the enemy seems like as soon as you leave on Sunday, he got something going on. Soon as you walk out, get in the, soon as you step in the car, seem like, man, I was just waving my hand and... I can't even get out the parking lot without being agitated. That, that's why I do it, because I want to see some real people get what God has for them. I want to see you overcome the obstacles that he's been placing in your way. I want to see the, the, the attacks of your mind cease and stop. I want to see you declare the promises and the word of God over your life. So I'll do this until God doesn't allow me to have breath anymore, because I want to see you become everything that God intended for you to be. Say this with me. Say, I have, I have purpose. purpose. Before we worship, how many would be honest and say that I said it, but sometimes I have a problem believing it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we all do. Because the storms of life come, and if you've been like through some things that I've been through, sometimes they rock you to your core. And we worship and we sing, but you can go through a test, watch this, this. Some of y'all can go through a test. Some of us can go through a test so strong that we even question whether God is out there at all. 
and whether he cares. But I want to challenge you and encourage you with the fact that he's not only out there, he's living inside of you. And here's why the shaking comes. What, what are we singing? Okay, that's a good one. Um, the shaking comes so that everything that is not stable in your life can be removed. Amen. That's why shaking comes. Shaking is not about destroying you. Shaking comes so that all that stuff that's temporary can come off so that you can endure and so that, that the relationships in your life are enduring relationships. Because some of us, I'm going to be honest with you, you got friends that's in your life just for what they can get. Fake friends. You know what? The ones that, that, the ones that don't call you. <laughs> but God wants to shake you so that you know that those ones who check on you and really care and really love you and really praying for you I got some friends I may talk to twice a year, but I know they're praying every day. Just, I know we need to sing, but, but as we pray, I just want to know, if, you, if you've been through a shaking in the past few weeks, just lift your hands. You don't have to keep them up. I just want to see, because I just feel it so strong in my spirit, just this, this shaking, and you're like, God, I don't know why. I'm trying, trying to do my best. I'm trying, trying to take steps forward, but this shaking in my life. And God is saying simply this to you. Take comfort. If I allow it, I'll bring you through it. You know everything you lose, you, you, if God allows you to lose it, you didn't need it. <laughs> you ever lost something? It hurt to lose it. If God allowed it to be, listen to me. Man, I, somebody's like, man, we got to go home, but I, I just want to encourage people today. If God allowed you to lose it, you don't need it. If they walked away, you don't need them. I put this out there from time to time. Stop, stop mourning who left and celebrate who stayed. It's time. Yeah, they hurt you. They left you. They used you. And now they're gone so that God can bring into your life what he really has for you. Let's surrender.